Sometimes for a reason, for a season, we would like to put certain things on hold in your life. You might have to park certain things. You might have to park your relationship. You might have to park probably your education. You might have to park probably the career. Depending where everybody is there in their life, it's okay to park some other areas of your life and work on things that requires your ultimate focus and attention. Welcome to the Kind Boss Podcast, brought to you by Outsourcing Angel, an Australian-based social enterprise that specializes in helping business owners free up their time and reduce staffing costs, while helping to create employment opportunities for people in developing countries. Visit OutsourcingAngel.com today. Now, let me welcome your host, Lynn Padetti. Hello, kind listeners. I'm your host, Lynn Padetti. Today, we'll be speaking to a kind boss, Uma Panch, founder and wellness coach at I Beyond Bliss Personal and Corporate Wellness. Uma uses her role as a motivational speaker, corporate trainer, transformation life coach, and strategic business consultant to recalibrate people's internal compass and re-engineer their lives to see the infinite possibilities. Her vision is to empower you to become the best version of yourself. Listen on as she shares how she applies the dynamics of human behavior and mindfulness to improve the mental and emotional well-being of her clients, bringing about positive life transformations. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Kind Boss Podcast. And today I have my life coach, my wellness coach, my everything coach, Uma Panch, all the way from actually not that far from me, but welcome. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank I'm you. So, yeah, I'm so excited to have you because you are the person that has transformed my life in the last few years. I don't remember how many years I've been working with you. I have grown as a person and I've changed so many aspects of my life because of you, because I've worked with you on a very regular basis on so many different areas. And your gift is being able to kind of find out something about me without me thinking that I need something done. I remember so many times we talk and you're like, I feel like, oh, I'm fine. But the end of the session, we kind of unravel everything. I guess my first question is, why is it that sometimes people feel like their life is fine, but it's actually not fine? And what is it that allow you to be able to find that and bring it out of them so that they could kind of go to a next stage without them realizing that it's better in that next stage? Thank you, Lynn. First of all, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. It's my privilege and my pleasure to be here. And also, first of all, I must say that I've always looked upon you with awe because you're this person who has always constantly looked into how to become the better version of yourself. I've always seen you constantly working on yourself. And you're a good example of that question when you asked me, Uma, how is it that people really don't have problems, but they don't even think that they have a problem. But I've always seen you being very proactive. Even if you don't have a problem, you're thinking, where could this lead to? How should we be working on this? So yes, I recall all the sessions we've had together for all these years, and you've always looked into different areas of your life, work things that work and doesn't work. Now, Coming back to the question you asked me, Lynn, it's a wonderful question. And the thing that I always think is, why is the problem not the problem? In fact, there's a book I want to write about this because people don't think the problem to be a problem. And that's the whole problem. Only when you realize that when things are not working, we proactively think that 
why is this not working? It, because people are so complacent. They're okay with things not being okay with themselves. They're okay with not performing. It's like, well, it'll become better. It's never ever going to be better unless you have that awareness that, well, something is wrong. As Albert Einstein says, you can never solve a problem with the same thinking that creates the problem. And doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result is absolute insanity, right? Definition of insanity. So that is why I truly believe why people do not solve problems is because they get complacent. They don't think it is a problem and they don't think that they should take proactive step. It's all about reactive. They don't want to you know, respond early. They just allow things to really collapse and then realize, oh my goodness, how did I even end up here? Because they've never ever had the awareness. So I think the key to that is awareness. Knowing that something is not working for me and I need to really do something about it. Yeah. And I think sometimes it is kind of clear what our problem is or where the improvement areas that we need to make. But what I do is I want the coaching because I always believe that there's always room or there's always blind spots that I don't see or there's always room for improvement or way to be better. So that is why I see you, even though I kind of feel like I'm quite content, right? But because of my new belief of going, there's always ways to grow that I come with that open mind and that I'm able to then go from A to B without going, I didn't realize I wanted to go to B. <laughs> exactly. And the lovely thing about that is those layers. I remember once we did a session and you even posted that on YouTube saying that you end up, you know, you know, just opening up that layers and layers and layers and you realize because always also the problem is never the problem. If somebody said that I can't sleep well, if somebody said that I'm not getting a job, that's never the problem because there is an underlying core problem. And we don't know that until we really get into a session. So people would say, well, I'm doing fine. Why do I even need a session? You wouldn't know that you need a session until you have a session. So that's why I give away a lot of discovery session for my clients. So when they do the discovery session, they're like, oh my God, I never even realized I had this problem because it all comes from disempowering beliefs and misaligned values or probably not having proper boundaries and expectations and standards in yeah, you raised a really good point because sometimes when I do know my problem, I actually come to you for that. I said, oh, you know, I'm feeling kind of unclear about this business thing. And as we we're talking and you asked me the right questions that we were unraveling and you're like, actually, as a priority, we're going to have to fix the way you and your husband has been treating each other lately. Maybe he's been annoying you and that means you're going to need to work sort of that out because it's going to affect your work. Yeah, you raise a really, really good point. Now, the other thing that I love about the session with you is eventually I kind of feel like we've worked on this, we've worked on that, and it's kind of like complete. But I love your process where you start to audit me and go, okay, so you said it's okay, but what is it really? And you go through the wheel of life. So do you want to elaborate on that kind of process? Because yes. we always go back to that. Absolutely. Thank you, Lynn. And, and you know, thank you for bringing that wheel of life thing. Because what happens is in the scheme of things, right? We are so busy in our day-to-day -day lives. And we think that everything is going fine. But unless we sit to audit every area of your life, because all the time, I remember another client of me telling me this one saying that, Uma, when I work with you, I realized that all the time in different areas of my life, I'm at different levels. It's not that everything is the same at all times. Uh, probably in my family, I could be in a scale of one to 10, I'm at seven. Probably with finances, I'm five. And maybe with self-care, I'm just zero. 
So unless we have that holistic approach towards our life, so looking into areas starting from your self-care, then it comes to your spirituality. It's not about religion, it, whether it's religion or spirituality, it's up to everybody, right? But regardless, we've got eight spectrums of our life. We're talking about 12. We're talking about learning and growing, talking about contribution. Yes, relationship, relationship with our own self and relationship with others, because always our relationship with others is a pure reflection about our reflection with our own self. So people don't most often think about that part of their relationships. So when you look into these different areas of your life and you take it and do an audit, you come to the realization that yes, this is not going well. And then you start to focus on areas that's not going well for you. And also the second thing is when people end up saying that I don't feel a fulfillment in life, this is where it stems from because the core areas of their life is not properly taken care of. And also talking about the basic core needs of human being, six core needs, a need for certainty, uncertainty, need for significance, need for love and connection, need for contribution and need for learning and growing. If any of these spectrums of your life are not audited, and if we do not see where we are, we need to make the self-assessment now and then, which I see you always do when we do sessions. You know, when you come up and say, oh, but everything is going well for me. I don't even know what we need to focus on. And then we'll end up doing, Helen, should we do this? And then, you know, we end up in a totally new area where, you know, you would have thought about improving. Because our mind tend to just generalize everything. We kind of categorize our whole life as okay fine good or not bad whatever it is but it's through digging deeper where i'm able to go actually this area is actually rating quite low it's just that these other areas are rating a bit higher so it made me clouded but if i don't fix that little bit of area it will then become a problem so that's why i really love that will of life because it's constant ever evolving like you said it's always in balance and you've got to keep balancing it and then as you achieve one area then it affects our life is like a system, would you say? Absolutely. It is absolutely a system. And one thing that I might like to say here, then somebody might ask, do you mean that I have to be the best in all areas of my life? Is that really even possible? And could I be sometimes just focusing on one area of my life? And I would say absolutely yes, because sometimes for a reason, for a season, we would like to put certain things on hold in your life. You might have to park certain things. You might have to park your relationship. You might have to park probably your education. You might have to park probably the career, depending where everybody is there in their life. So if someone is feeling that my family is probably falling apart, and if this person constantly keeps working on probably other areas, it's not going to help. It's okay to park some other areas of your life and work on things that requires your ultimate focus and attention. So it's perfectly fine to do that as well, Lenny. Yeah, awesome. Another key memory that I have with you was there was a period that I was going through anxiety when I was driving. It was like specifically when I'm driving, I was having this anxiety. And are you able to elaborate on some of the things you did to help me get through that? Yes, absolutely. So one thing I love about you is it always come up being open and vulnerable. That's something where people do not allow themselves to open up. They feel that, you know what? Now, knowing you, you're such a strong person. You're such a powerful person. You lead this team. You're a business owner. You know, you're thriving in all areas of your life, but you've never, ever stopped to acknowledge the fact that something is not working well for me. You've never, ever stopped from being vulnerable. What I see with many of the business owners that I work with, sometimes they don't want to be vulnerable. They are with me, but other places, they don't get to be vulnerable because they fear 
judgment. They feel that if I open up, if I express to other people that I'm not doing fine, they would look upon me with judgment. But actually, that's not true. When you're vulnerable and you're open to realizing that things are not okay, for example, coming back to your anxiety thing, you just opened up and said, I'm feeling anxious. And you were open to share with others as well. So what happens is with vulnerability, obviously, you connect better with people. And in doing so, half the stress is gone because the need to mask and hold yourself despite anxiety, despite going through all the things that we are going through, who doesn't have overwhelm? Who doesn't have anxiety? We do have it coming and going, panic attacks. Everyone has it in some parts of their life. But the reason for that, exactly coming to your example was, things that stemming from your past experiences. Anxiety can come from different ways. It's either because too much of overwhelm, if it is because of overwhelm, that is too much going on, everything is on your head. All we've got to do is put it out in a paper, do a brainstorming session with someone, just unclutter that mind. Once that part is done, you feel less anxious. So that's one place where anxiety comes from. The other part, the anxiety comes from fear. People are gripped with fear, right? Because fear of uncertainty, especially now with COVID, there's so much of fear and panic going on. And the point is that we attract what we focus and what we feel. The more we fear about something, I remember telling you, Lynn, when you drive, do not think that could I end up in an accident because the more you think that would this happen and this happen, you exactly bring it into your reality because it's all energy, it's quantum physics. Right. So the more we put that out, someone driving, you know, coming on the other way, thinking the same thing, those two energies collide and you end up in an accident. So the point here is to think positive. So when it comes from any anxiety, this is coming from your past. So I remember working with you, going backwards, seeing when that started. So basically, when I work with my clients, I do an exercise called defining moments where we go to your childhood. The time when that first started, there could be something that triggered that in your childhood or probably when you're growing up in your youth, we get to that point and see what happened then. And then you as this adult Lynn, go back and speak to that child Lynn and knowing what you know now that it will not happen. Probably it happened as a youngster. I remember you said you were very young. You got into a place, it was midnight. You yes. were so scared because you couldn't find your way home. That was where that belief was instilled in you that driving is scary. So that became your reality. So every time, even as an adult, when you knew to drive well, when you overcome those anxiety, overcome those fears, still it was somewhere in your subconscious mind. So we had to go and remove this disempowering beliefs and instill new beliefs in you. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember learning from you in terms of when the thoughts are coming in my head, I thought that I should just go, oh, stop thinking about that. You actually got me to befriend my thoughts. I kind of like, you know, made it more of a pleasant relationship between me and my thoughts. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yes, I love talking about that, Lynn. Thank you so much again. So thoughts, what are thoughts? These in reality, thoughts are really good sometimes because it helps you to get creative ideas. It helps you to plan. It helps you to organize stuff. But at the same time, it can be so much of a problem because sometimes we believe our thoughts to be true. 
Because we've got this inner critic in us, right? So constantly a voice that keeps on, your mind is generating these thoughts because it's thinking it's protecting you. So it might say, hey, Lynn, don't do this. Or hey, don't do that. Because it fears that you are getting into risk, especially. That's why people don't take action. That's why people don't come out of their comfort zone. Because their mind voice tells them that, Hey, don't do this. This could go wrong. No, this is never going to happen for you. You're going to become a failure. This project is not going to work. So with that fear in mind, we don't take action. So the best way, so the, and also a lot of negative thoughts coming from past experiences and the fear of the future. So when that happens, all we've got to do is to first acknowledge the thought. What we normally people do is try to push away the thoughts. And especially with mindfulness, where I teach mindfulness to leaders and executive leaders, to celebrities, I teach to many people and help them understand how they can deal with their thoughts using mindfulness. So what it actually says is that befriend your thought. When you have a negative thought coming through, do not push it because when you push it away, it rebounds. If you try to distract yourself, it comes back. Rather embrace those thoughts. Now think about this. Good things and bad things doesn't last forever. Same with thoughts. Good thoughts and bad thoughts. Just embrace whatever thoughts come to you and say, hey, okay, thank you for popping in. Thank you for giving me this advice. I understand that you're coming from a place of care for me, but I'm good. I can deal with this. So all that inner child in you, that inner voice wants to hear from you is a note of confidence for you to say, all is well, I'm going to deal with this well and we'll be fine. And then it automatically disappears. So the first thing is to acknowledge the thought. Second is to accept that thought and then have your own conversation with your inner self to say all is well. And before you know, the thought will subside and never come back. Yeah, I love that. That really was really helpful. You know, I just kind of talking to myself in my head, but um, I'm able to just let it go. And like, you're right. Next thing I'm just driving, I'm at home and I'm not thinking about it anymore. Now we've talked about the past and we kind of talked about the present kind of auditing. I really like the other part where we do is sometimes we visualize, we think about the future. And I think a lot of people in life don't take enough time to actually think about the future. And talk more about visualization. And when you help me close my eyes and step into the future, I love that exercise. Okay. That's very beautiful. And probably we could do a bit of that today if we had time for our audience. So visualization, why is this important? Most people usually stuck in their life have no idea of what their future self is going to be. People usually take action when they are triggered by pain. So all they know is pain. So when there's so much pain being someone they don't want to be, that's when they're trying to take action. How many people know to take action or achieve a goal based on a vision, based on the pleasure? So what happens is in visualization, you visualize your future self of who you want to be, not the person you're right now. Because as you mentioned, mostly people are in the past, right? I don't like what I am. I don't want to be this person. I want to be the person, but I don't know how to get there because you can't get there unless you visualize that. Want to make a difference in others' lives? Join us in providing food, medical supplies, and daily living necessities to tribal communities living in extreme poverty in the Philippines. For as little as $50, you can feed a whole village and have peace of mind that 100% of your donations goes directly to those in need. Be a part of our OA Love Projects and visit OutsourcingAngel.com.
I remember you doing the vision boards, right? You've always had vision boards and had uh, pictures of places and you know things that you wanted in life. It works. Why? Because you're constantly looking into that and that manifests into your life. I've had so many things manifested in my life just by having the emotional connection of myself into the future. Remember attending, always been a high achiever, but never ever really planned so much for awards. Had been to an award function and at that award function, I was standing there and then I was looking at people getting these awards and I told myself, I want to be an award winner sometime in my life. The next day, I posted it on LinkedIn and that's why you have to tell it out. You have to put it out in the universe if you want anything in your life and you will feel that emotional attachment. You feel that in your body, that something happens, that energy in your body. That happened to me. I put it on LinkedIn and within six months from them, the first award I received within two weeks, the next month I got another one, four awards within six months. Why? Then I've realized sometimes I've consciously manifest things, sometimes subconsciously, but what people need to do is move towards the pleasure. I remember standing there and imagining myself receiving an award. You need to get to that state of your mind where you, because your mind doesn't know between what is true and what is false. If you imagine that you are standing there receiving something, getting married to your loved one, or probably having your dream home or your dream travel, if you believe that you're already there, your mind will do everything to make that a reality for you. What people don't know is that, stuck with the pain. So what I really recommend people to do is start to visualize. It's all dream as children, because what happens in as we grow, we lose that childlessness in us, right? Become these adults. As kids, remember how many times we sit and dream, daydreaming. Our parents would have said, why are you daydreaming? People shouldn't stop daydreaming and start thinking about what your life would look like. When you start visualizing that and have a conversation with your future self, ask, hey, how do you do this, Uma? See, Uma, five years hence, Lynn's five years, Lynn, Lynn probably 10 years from now. Ask that Lynn, how do you do this, Lynn? And you would get the message. Just put your heart, you know, hand on your heart and just ask how she became that person. And then you can re-engineer that and then work towards that vision. It's so fun and people should do more of it because you can literally dream anything you want. And people think, I guess, because it's not logical, it's kind of not tangible right now. So they discredit the power of it. But I'm a living proof like you as well, that it's a transformational kind of tool that you can actually change your life from almost rags to riches or there's no way I could have got there, that shift. The other thing I like is about you asking me to do designing my ideal day, which I really love and I continue to update my ideal day as well. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yes, ideal day. So what people always know is what they don't want. So, you know, it's very interesting when you ask someone, okay, what do you want to do? When people come to a session, I would ask them, hey, okay, so what would be an outcome for you? What do you want to have in your life? Well, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be stuck in this relationship. I don't want to have this problem with my education or I don't want, I don't want. Then I would stop them and say, but tell me, what do you want? Because our subconscious mind never processes negative words. So when you say, I don't want to be poor, it means I want to be poor. So many of our audience today might be wondering, you know, we might ask someone not to do something and they exactly go and do that. The kids don't go out and play. What their subconscious mind hears is go out and play. 
And then we're like, I told you not to do that. <laughs> yeah, do that. So they're like, but when you asked me to do that, they wouldn't know or consciously, subconsciously. So similarly, every day people are, I don't want to be stuck in this job. I don't want to do the nine to five thing. I don't want to have this problem with my fans or anything to do with your day-to-day life. Or I don't want to be eating junk food. So what do we want instead? So what this ideal, awesome day strategy does is that fill in how your day looks like. It's also part of the visualization. Exactly saying, this is where I want to wake up. This is the time I want to wake up. This is what the view of my house should look like. This is the conversations I want to have on a day-to-day basis. I want to be talking business if you're a business owner. I want to be talking to my clients. I want to have a lovely cup of tea with my husband. Whatever works for you. It's about what you want in life. And then visualize your day. Put that literally into a calendar and say, I want to allocate one hour of my day probably with spirituality. I do that. You wake up 4 a.m. I wake up 4 a.m. Why? Because we know that's the time that we are so much at an alpha state, at a creative mood, no distractions. So we wouldn't have been able to achieve that until we really put that as part of our daily routine. Schedule that in your life, whatever you want in your life. You feel that I'm not connecting with people? Schedule that in your day. So just like we honor a doctor's appointment, just like we honor probably a lawyer's appointment, we honor our own appointment to say that, okay, this is how my day is going to look like. This is what my weekends, how many people say, I don't get to do anything on my weekends, I'm still working. Why? Because you've never structured that on your daily weekly plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How you're structuring and designing your ideal average day, awesome day, creates that awesome day for you. Yeah, people are always more reacting rather than proactively designing their life. And exactly. each day adds up to week equals to months equals to a lifetime of happiness or lifetime of fulfillment. So that was one of the best strategy that I still use to this day. The other thing that I found that was contradicting with who I was is that, you know, with all these improvement trying to do things, I had a problem of control. Remember when you were like, Lynn, you just need to control everything. You just want everything to pan out the way it is. And then I had to learn to stop controlling. And then things still went the way that I wanted or the way that should have been. So yeah, talk about control. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs and business people, women, we love being in control. Yes. So definitely this happens with people who want to have certainty in life, but sometimes they don't know how to bring that into practice. So everybody wants certainty. And some of us bring certainty into our life through control. But actually, control is a negative way of having certainty in our life. But obviously, we don't know what we don't know until we start knowing it, right? So I'm really grateful that you were open to that idea of, you know, when I said, Lynn, but is that about controlling? And then, oh, yes, I think, Omar, it was about controlling. So what happens is all of us need certainty. And when we feel that things are not going our way, we start to fear. And also being high achievers, most business owners, we know leaders, they also want to make things work. And sometimes there's this fear of not being able to trust people because we feel that we are the best person to do this. So even to delegate stuff becomes difficult for them. We know many business owners struggling with doing all things by themselves. And there's where you really help business owners to decentralize their work and help them by outsourcing their work. So that's where it comes when you believe that, yes, other people can still do it. Just let them do it and let them know what your standards are, what you expect from them and let go of the control and let them know that we want certainty and we get it through discipline. 
So it's all about a matter of communicating what our preferences are, what our expects and boundaries and standards are. When that is communicated, there's no need for control. There's more of an understanding within the team as to what needs to be done. The so same certainty can be achieved, not with control, but by just letting go of the control. And by letting go of the control, you seem to achieve more because now you've taken that part of the stress out of you and there's more heart space and head space to do the things that you want to do without the stress. Yeah, so I have no problem with delegating and letting go of tasks because that's what I do at Outsourcing Angel. But what where you helped me was letting go of decision-making, allowing the team to step up and empower them. Even in my relationship, you know, I wanted a perfect relationship, so I was controlling every step. I was the one booking in the restaurant, doing this, doing that, making sure that my husband participates so that we have this great relationship. But I realized that allowing him to also have control in the relationship, empowering him to book a dinner or doing something, by giving him that chance, he started doing it. And then I was like, I was still getting the outcome, but without controlling everything. Exactly. And they feel like they're contributing. Mm -hmm. So once they feel like they're contributing and then they feel significant because obviously you appreciate when someone gets something done. So that is a lovely way. And thank you for, you know, taking that into your life and applying it. So that's amazing. Must yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a wrap up, we started talking and it felt like it was life coaching about personal development, but there are times when we actually talk business, you're able to help me systemize my thoughts and my projects and my strategy. So I find that the big ideas and the creativity, but sometimes we get to the nitty gritty because I'll let you explain, but unless we get into the bottom of actions, we can't actually achieve it. Right. Yes. So good question there. And also then what it comes from is that mostly people in business, we've got different thinking styles. We could be a visionary or we could be more of a dynamo getting things implemented or more of an architect where we have structures and systems in our life or more of a collaborator where we work with people. This is based on thinking archetype. Now we could have different levels in our thinking archetype. But to be able to bring that together, knowing when to be a visionary, knowing when to implement stuff happens through a proper brainstorming session. So literally working with business owners like you and other business owners and leaders, what I help them to do is start from the vision. So whatever vision they have. So once that vision is set, you just let it be and then move on to the structures and systems that supports the vision. What happens most people, why do they don't get things done? Because they constantly are stuck in the vision mode. They cannot move from the vision to create structure and from the structure implementing and getting with the people who will help them get this done. So when we work, you know, as teams, even I work with leaders, I help them to understand that once their vision is clear, everything, vision means your organizational structure can be to do with what you want to, your vision and mission, the purpose for the business, once that is done, then we move on to how do you bring that to action? By setting brainstorming systems and strategies and plan structure that in a manner that vision becomes a reality. Once the vision is set, then you get to the implementation. But once you get to the implementation, then you have to start doing the job, not again going back to the vision unless you want to review it. It's fine to review it, but the timeline, this is how you go after the structure then you start implementing. Implementation, obviously, knowing to do when to do, what to do, and how to do, and then putting it into probably your 90 days goal, then you know coming down to three months and just coming down and down, one week and daily and hourly goals. That's where the implementation happens. And obviously knowing 
who to give the task, who to delegate the task to, who are the other people we can bring on board to bring the vision into reality. So if anyone can master the four archetypes, that's where the success lies. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of every session, you usually ask me, okay, Lynn, so what is the first thing you're going to do after this session? And you really hold me accountable to that. Why do you ask that question? Yes. So I truly believe that knowledge becomes powerful only when implemented. Otherwise, we are just information seekers. Most people are information seekers, reading books over and over again, watching so many webinars, going for webinars, seminar. But why do their life doesn't change? Because the reason is they don't go and implement it. The reason why I ask you, okay, what's your one key learning is because to write it in stone, like, okay, this is my key learning. So really take that and put that in your subconscious mind to say that, yes, I've learned something today and one key learning. And we need to apply that key learning. And that's why I ask you, so what is your one key commitment? And then you would say, Uma, okay, this is my key commitment. And then I ask you, what is the one thing that you will apply within the next 24 hours? Because if it's not applied within the next 24 hours, it's forgotten. And then I get you to come back to me and say, hey, Uma, I've done this. And then I really acknowledge you for doing that. So basically, any learning, any session that I do, I back it up with one key learning, one commitment, and one application within the next 24 hours. Yeah, I love it because I think you just create the momentum of action because if we just get one thing done, we start to get the ball rolling. So anyway, that was excellent. How do people work with you? Well, so anyone, so who do I work with? I love to work with leaders, people from business and organization, corporates, and also work with celebrities. And what I really help people with is to reduce their stress and achieve peak performance and overall well-being. And to do that, I have different strategies, systems, and frameworks that I work with people. And I start to work through a discovery, one-on-one free discovery session. And that is to check out the best fit, be a business owner or for a personal coaching or a corporate trainee to understand the need and see if we are a best fit. Because there's a difference between being interested and being committed. Most people are interested. I want to have a good life. But are you committed to that is a different thing. Because if they're interested, they would only do it when they feel like doing it. But if they're committed, they will do anything that takes to get that happening, right? So I champion, cheer, and challenge my clients, and I want to know that they're ready for it. So I give a a discovery session for free, and during the discovery session, we do a need analysis, and based on that, I work with them on a three-month, six-month, and one-year personal transformation journey. It's called Bloom, Bliss, and Blossom. There's three levels to that, and I work with helping women and leaders transform their lives. And how do they connect with you? Is there a website that they go to? So we can put that on the description. So they email me at hello.ibeyondbliss at gmail.com. And then from there, I will get in touch with them. Okay, cool. Well, up to my next segment. So this is the high five. This is where I'm going to ask you five questions. And you okay. just have to answer this or that. Give us a, a little bit about who Uma is in personal life. <laughs> Nothing scary. It's just a multiple choice. And if you could also that. just elaborate on your choice. Okay, question one is... Do you prefer rainforest or ocean? Rainforest. Because I love the beauty of nature and the beauty of the adventure and the suspense that rainforest offers. I love rainforest. Cool, cool. Number two, if you could eradicate hunger or have everyone educated in the world, which one would you choose? 
Well, then I would choose education because I'm an educator and I truly believe in the power of education. It is so powerful that it can change the world. This is said by Nelson Mandela. Also, there is a proverb that says that you feed a man a fish, you can only feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. So that is why I choose education. Good point. Like that. All right. Number three, candles or diffusers? Well, I love candles because they're so natural and I love organic stuff. So I would go for candles. Candle. Yeah. I'm afraid of using candles because I'm always fearful that I might burn the house. <laughs> so I've never used candles at all. All right. Number four, trip to Bali or Japan? Well, I love Bali because I'm more of a holistic wellness person. I've been to Japan though. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, especially the sakura flowers in April. But I still would choose Bali because of the nature and also because I'm a holistic wellness healer and I find that place more conducive for my energy. Love it. Okay, final question. Are you a sweets person or savoury? Oh, I'm a savoury person. I love spice in my life. Ah. (laughs) Awesome. Great answers. We've definitely got to know you. Okay, I've got two questions for you before we go. Uh, The next question is, what does a kind boss mean to you? Kind boss to me, I first of all want to appreciate you for choosing that particular title. It's just amazing. And people usually feel that being a boss, you need to be a very to be a successful boss. People mostly think you need to be strict, you need to be very in control. But for me, a kind boss is someone who's very compassionate. A kind boss is someone who is able to accept people as they are and be a transformational leader. A kind boss to me is a transformational leader who grows with their people and helps them evolve and grow. And being accepting and compassionate is what is kind boss to me. Yeah, beautiful. So inspiring the way you explained it with passion. (laughs) Okay, my last question. What do you want the world to remember Uma for? Well, I would like the world to remember me for a person who has transformed millions and millions of lives for them to know that I have given them the sense of hope that anything is possible, that you can transform your life. You can unleash your true potential and have anything that you want in your life. So that's what I'd like to be remembered for. Oh, beautiful. And you definitely have transformed my life. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Pleasure is mine. Appreciate this so very much and very grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for joining our podcast today. We hope this interview has inspired and humbled you to be a kind boss. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel and let us know what you think about our show. If you have any questions, please visit OutsourcingAngel.com. Until then, stay kind and spread love.